This generation under so much pressure Held to a standard impossible to measure Without guys, they suffer No father in sight, uh, no love from their mother Not the fin for the one in the mirror Self-image distorted, can't get no clearer Damn, lost souls devoured by the streets Ain't no fairy tales or yellow bricks By their feet, only crack vials and shell casings Looking for hope, but they still waiting And I implore you to never give up And like Pac said, uh Keep your head up and when your back's up against the wall Keep your boots to the ground and stand tall Hold on and be strong And go against all odds, uh And keep your faith in God is the liberated mind show you know nothing can stop me but loss of breath and i'm still breathing so it's still on we are your hosts reese wale k and james and ready to rock so let's go all right so you know we like to uh spotlight uh you know our brothers and sisters and today we're going to spotlight uh J Mall tv and Wale's going to speak more on that yeah thanks a lot james um my brother and I out here in uh, Oakland, California, established uh, a viewing platform we're working on called JMall TV. We started, a lot of people have seen the footage already without knowing the platform that it's associated with or attached to, which is uh, JMall TV, which is the protest in, in Oakland, California that we've been seeing, uh, as well as other protests throughout the country. But this one has been filmed live by us, a different type of journalism that's not going to be seen when it comes to major platforms such as... Uh, NBC and stuff of that nature because they don't have the culture passing, they don't have the culture comfortability to actually be in those atmospheres while live things are happening and need to be recorded. So that's the basis of our show. And we're also going to spread out to also doing covering the hip hop community, heavily covering the hip hop community and other communities as well, jazz communities as well that we have in Oakland, California. So that's what we're bringing to the table. We're also going to be having merchandise. We're also going to have cash apps for donations to contribute to the show as far as research. It's going to be education. A lot of different things on our show. So I appreciate Liberated Minds for giving us the benefit of opportunity to express what we're building now. You can find us on Facebook so far on Jamal Davis, J-M-A-L Davis on Facebook. That's why you can contact uh, our page. And as we're continuing to build the site, we have more information coming forward. Thanks. All right. That's what's up. I like, thank you. All right, so today we're going to be discussing the Second Amendment in our community. We'll touch on whether we should embrace the Second Amendment, the NRA, and the importance of bearing arms in the current climate. Before we jump in, I'm going to play a short video. It's not my liking for guns. What, what about the NRA? We all have a right to bear arms. I have that. I have that same right as you do. Just because I'm black doesn't mean I shouldn't have a gun. I have a law legally own guns. I legally own guns. Why would I come to New York and be unlawfully owning two guns? All right. So after playing that video, my first question for the panel is, is the Second Amendment another example of inequality in the way that is in, enforced and policed? Well, I look at it from this perspective, from a historical context. When I understand history, when I understand um, historically, the purpose for the Second Amendment wasn't for protection for our citizens, it was protection from the other 13 colonies they were fighting against, and also when they were fighting against uh, Britain, because Britain still regulates the United States of America. That's why there's a presidency, which is the executive chief in office. Now, if we look at that from that perspective, it's something called the Declaration of Independence, which means to declare something. It doesn't mean it's authentic. So if anyone were to come as far as England to invade the United States, they wouldn't be fighting one person. They'll be fighting an entire nation, not an army, where there's only 500,000 or 2 million or 3 million people fighting. You're fighting an entire nation going against your invade, the, other, the opposer's invasion. So I think that's what it was for. I read that. I can't remember the name of the book, but I'll definitely bring that back. But I think that that's something that's, uh, as far as us, as African people in America, so-called black people, that's something that we should definitely embrace, being that we face the most violence of any entity in the face of humanity.
Me, I just want to quickly define what the, or identify what the Second Amendment is, just for those of our viewers that don't know. It's a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Um, and essentially, I agree with what Wiley said. Um, for for African people, it, it's to me, I think it's essential to at least have the defense, the ability to defend yourselves against your, <laughs> the opposing forces of which there are many. So, uh, and <clears throat> I think that's really important, especially in today's context. So I understand that second amendment and see how it's used against us and see how we can operate within, within that framework, try to operate within that framework for our benefit. Yeah, Kay, what you were saying again? And that's that's definitely a good uh, um, introduction for it. Definitely got explanation of it. But again, the Constitution doesn't include us because it says all human. <laughs> they don't consider us as human, even to today, or they would change the, the declaration. But anyway, uh, Kay, what you got to say about that? What were you saying again? Yeah. So um, essentially, with the um, the Second Amendment, we know why it was um, drawn up. It was basically to prevent any type of um, any type of conflict. Well, not conflict, but uh, it was to arm what what wasn't known at the time as the United States. What what later became the United States. It was to arm the people in in case of an invasion from outside. So, I mean, the way that it's worded, it, it says this um, gives the people the right to bear arms, but it also speaks of militias. Mm-hmm. And um, from what I remember is um, it's loosely worded. So that's, that's why we run into a lot of misinterpretation or if that's the correct interpretation. We don't know because it's the way it was written. And um, eventually from what I've read is that the post-Civil War, it was the KKK that used that to, you know, go draw any, any type of um, African family that was, you know, prospering. That's what essentially um, what it started to be used for. So the history of it um, pertaining to one set of people versus the others, um, there's, there's two different histories, but um, the way that it was originally set, set out it was to help and protect, you know, in case outside invasion. But like we said, we've seen it, um, We've seen it turn to something else later on. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, I understand, from what I understand, uh, the Klan, but it was the Black Legion, which is another different group. It's the same, all of them are same white supremacists, terrorists. However, uh, you know, Black Legion had many different types of uh, ways to get people to uh, group, side with them in order to oppress other people. So, I, I agree with you 100 percent, especially when you brought up the Klan. That's what made me think of the Black Legion. So I agree with that. Right, cool. So after, um, you know, I agree with uh, everything that was said. So after all of that, would you then agree that in its very base, basic form, that it was like? in this essence, just purely like not for our community at all. Like, would it just, was it specifically for not for us to even have the same um, interpretation of the law when, I mean, of the amendment and for us to be policed differently? Like, you know how, uh, someone white may charge the uh, the Capitol building with automatic rifles. If one of us did the same thing, you know damn well it's not going to go down the same way. No. So in this, in this very essence, would y'all say that it was formed off of the same, you know, racist qualities that other systems and other amendments uh, were formed on? Well, I think absolutely. It's it's a reason. It's the real estate of racism. 
And that's the reason why they use those loose terms to, that's why they say, uh, some attorneys say, well, how, how far do you want the law bent? And someone will say, as far as you can without breaking it. That's what the loopholes are. So I think that the way things are going and the way it's to us, it doesn't apply to us because they weren't concerned about us because we weren't seen as humans. They were concerned about keeping their same infrastructure and giving it up. Now, it's up to us during this time that the knowledge that we have of history and what we see happen to us historically, we look at it, the reason for them doing that to us is because... <laughs> If you have a one that someone you enslaved and your own philosophy is brutal, is uh, oppressing, is the destruction of other nations and culture of other people, you're still teaching that person that you're punishing and being cruel to that same language. So once they learn that language, they become fluent. And to, uh, the only thing to stop them from becoming superior to the, the oppressor is to stop them from being able to protect themselves with weapons. But they use the philosophy of making us feel guilty of carrying a, a, a weapon to protect ourselves. But when they do it, it's okay. This philosophy was taught to me, well, this point was taught to me actually, by a person named Michael Hall that works at the Archery Gun Club in South Philadelphia. He teaches arm and self-defense classes in which I've taken all of, well, three of them, nine millimeter, 45 caliber, and the hand-to-hand -hand combat and the shotgun, it's four of them actually. And the purpose for that is because things I see in my community. But the first thing we say to each other is, well, we don't need to carry guns. Well, it's the same thing. Like, it's the same thing that's included in racism. The reason why Europeans are racist towards us and they don't want to release us economically is because they have the fear that we would do to them in which they have done to us because that's the way they live, but that's not our culture. You know, we're forgiving people, so we don't live that way. So they use that against us the same way they use religion against us. The same reason why people hate everything about the enslavement period, except for Christianity. And go. <laughs> so, yeah, just to uh, piggyback off of that. Um, yeah, originally, like we said, we, we know what it was intended for, who it was intended for, because at what point was, you had the Declaration of Independence written, and at what year did they declare or make a proclamation um, freeing Africans, you know? Mm -hmm. So if we look at the time to which that was, if you're, if you're a slave, I don't, know, I don't know exactly at what point within U.S. history, um, enslaved, former enslaved Africans were considered citizens because I know they were considered um, property. So I'm not sure. So, but I do know if you weren't a citizen and you were property and you write a declaration for people, therefore we know who it applied to. I mean, it's unwritten, but we know what, what the meaning is. We, we know why the NRA does what it does when it comes to certain uh, people in situations uh, with, with guns and when it occurs with another set of people. We don't hear them speak out at all. So yeah, it was, um, when it was written originally, it was not intended for anyone not of um, European descent, um, more specifically English descent. Yeah, you made some great points and you actually led right into my next question. Because uh, the NRA has been continuously biased in these cases, would you then have to consider the NRA a part-time Second Amendment proponent? What was the last thing? I couldn't hear the last thing. Would you consider the NRA a part-time Second Amendment proponent? Well, uh, the same person who taught us in those classes that I've taken previously, um, his name, Michael Hall, said he's a member of the KKK. That's how he started his class. And everybody looked at him, and this is, this is, a, this is an African saying this, uh, you know, so-called black man saying this. He said, I'm a member of the Ku Klux Klan. When he said that, I was about to get up and leave. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> and I paid $400 for that class. It's zero tolerance with that. Yeah. So, so when he said that, he said that as a way to open up to grasp our ears. That's why I learned so much from that class. And he said, because the, the NRA is made by the Ku Klux Klan. 
he said he's a member of it. But he said, I'm one of the rebellious slaves. So he said the, the, the purpose of the NRA, you know, having their association is a legal way to arm and have guns. And, but not for self-defense, for oppressing people. Yeah, that makes sense. Right, Does, but what were you going to say? No, go ahead, Kay. I, I was just curious as far as that the whole NRA, um, us backing it in a sense. Like I said, we, we know, we see, we see the deceit within the NRA when it comes to, like we said, um, non-whites versus whites. So my thing is, why pay dues so it carry their card? when in the event something goes down, they don't seem to have our back. That's, when you just brought that up, that's the first, that's like the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. It's like asking another question, but I guess. Yeah, he, he was saying about that. Uh, I asked him the same thing. I said, why would you want to be associated with that? He said, because the same reason why anybody would be associated with that. He said, uh, if you, you should know what your enemy is doing so you can infiltrate the information that they're teaching. You should find it out and bring it back to your own community. Mind you, I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but this is what he was saying. He says, so being though I'm, I'm in there and I'm, you know, I've been there for a long time and I'm teaching and stuff of that nature. I get to let my people know what's going on from the inside, how these laws are changed that they won't put on the news. So as he was telling us how laws change, one can only use deadly force when the opposition is within 21 feet. They don't teach that. Wow. So these are the reasons why I'm not defending a brother, but this is what he told me. This is this is the reason why he teaches that class the way he teaches it, because he joined it to get the information and he gives it to other people. It's a the class is called the Act 235 class. Oh, okay. And stuff of that nature. Yeah, I can see that as being the reason to join. Like that specifically having access to information you may not other uh, otherwise have if you're not part of the organization. Um such as the things you did learn in that gun class. So, um, but I think clearly the NRA is just created by the Klan, created by not us, is definitely not for us because historically we have experience when they could have been on our side or backed us or not helped get laws passed that are directly against us by letter of the law. They said, nope we will go with the side of the oppressor or the opposite or anything you want to call it. So I think uh, obviously like for me, the organization is definitely not, certainly not built for us, but also a lot of it is built directly against us in a lot of ways, even if they don't say it outwardly uh, and the structure in itself and how they've gone about business shows us, Oh, okay. We know what time it is. Yeah, and with them being such, um, you know, they give so much money to politicians and all these school shootings that's been happening and everything, they they seem very, very quiet. But politicians, the one time I heard about, I think while they brought this up on a previous episode, was one, the one time like a rifle ban was even considered was with the <laughs> Black Panthers. Oh yeah, when they walk, when they march into the state building uh, in um in uh in Sacramento, and the reason why they did that, and uh, the reason why they banned it is because it showed it's such a massive scale that you know in 1966 during that time to start the Panthers after the assassination of our uh, honorary ancestor, the Honorable Malcolm X, that's his death sparked the Black Panther Party. So as they marched inside uh, San Francisco, I mean excuse me, Sacramento, the state building and was uh, actually had their own photographers. In America, the press showed their photographs, black people with guns, but they forget the constitutional rights that they have the ability to do so. But they changed the law and made it unconstitutional to do so because the Black Panthers did that. And you know what that was, you know, our good friend Hoover who engineered that. So um, that's what they did. And uh, the same thing they did in, um, what's that city again? Um, I believe it was uh, Texas. They had an open open carry state. Then it was a, a a concealed carry state. They changed the concealed carry because, from what I understand, there were so many people having weapons 
and were ambushing people. So they changed it so cowboys and people who live that lifestyle in Texas can carry their weapons open, including assault rifles. So let's think about that here. The bigger picture what I'm trying to explain is that whenever one of us abide by the same rule and we may get the upper hand or may not go to jail for something as far as defending ourselves or just having it in general, it's like a slap in the face to them because we're not supposed to be a, have, have those so-called Americanism amenities. So that's the things that they, they don't like. So that's why it's good for us to gain a knowledge of protecting ourselves and how to operate a firearm. And I, I definitely advocate in teaching the children. You know, when I mean my children, I'm not, I don't mean five or six years old. Of course, I shouldn't have to say that, but teaching the family as protection so we won't become victims as we are now already. Yeah, I've um, seen these videos where this um, this brother, he um, try, trains his children on economics and also trains them on like assembling and taking apart weapons, firing the weapons and everything. And while they're uh, uh, taking them apart and reassembling them, he's asking them questions about group economics and stuff like that. And they're blindfolded. Yeah, like it's, it's, it. it's really amazing that he's covering such a broad spectrum of knowledge it's with them. Life. Yeah, but it, it's like it doesn't happen because I think uh, one of you touched on it earlier that it's kind of like been pushed out there to make it kind of like uh, own a weapon, own a weapons isn't really that good. And then people get that fear. And, you know, it's easy to control people if they, they have that fear in them. And and this brother right here, he's showing like no fear. He's he's letting it be known. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm instilling in my kids. And this is how I'm training them. And I think we need more of that. Absolutely. A- absolutely. You know, I agree with that. Yeah, so um speaking on net, should we as a community fully embrace um bearing arms and become gun owners in mass? not just as individuals, but make it like a mass movement. I totally agree. I'm already in that club already. I have a license to carry in Pennsylvania. So, um, the t- and the reason why I have it is because, you know, growing up, growing up in Philadelphia, you know, I was robbed at gunpoint one, at one point, you know, I had a gun right to my head, bang, you know, I had the opportunity to, to end my life. And that fear I felt of having a gun to my head, and it was about several of them at the same time, uh, robbing a bunch of us. And I just walked into it and didn't know what was going on, just coming home from a, a party. And once that happened, I felt, I said, I won't put my life in someone else's hands ever again. So I, I had to find means of protecting myself. So I did what any law-abiding citizen would do. Look at the state and look at the, uh, the city and find out what's the, what's the rules and regulations. Once I found out when is the opportunity to obtain a license to carry a firearm concealed, when they have a clean record and they have no sense of violence in their background, why not take advantage of it and prevent myself from being a victim? And that was when I was 21 years old. I'm 35 years old now and have never used it once. See, it's not the weapon in itself that kills people. It's the thinking and the discipline and lack of intelligence as far as operating that firearm, which kills people. Earlier, I said I've taken the, you know, the 9 millimeter, the 45, and the 40 class. So I know how to operate the, the weapon if something happens, if I have to protect myself. If, if, if it jams, they have to protect my family. These are the things that, that's not illuminated in our own community. They think gun, they think hip hop, they think gangster, because we're taught to, to think that way. But when we go to these classes and we learn everything about it, we understand that before we pull the trigger, we're accountable. Like I said earlier, 20, deadly force, average deadly force is within 21 feet. People on the street don't know that. People on the street believe that if someone breaks in their house and they close their bedroom door and they say, I'm calling the police, get out. And the, per- and the homeowner has a gun and they say, I'm calling the police, get out. And they shoot through the door and kill the guy that's banging on the door. That homeowner has a high percentage of going to prison because there was a force in between them and the opposition, which is a door. Now the gentleman was came through that door or is breaking in the door then they can do what they have to do to protect their lives. But since they don't go to these classes, we don't. 
We don't know these things. That's why they say, oh, he, he just shot him in the a, in a leg and he, 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 he's going to jail. That's not fair. It's racism. We have to learn their rules in order to learn how it applies to us. Because remember, laws can be bent without breaking them. So look how it applies to us. So the reason why that person was in trouble, because they didn't understand the person was fleeing. They're no longer a threat. So to shoot at them from anger because they try to steal the television or something, that's incriminating yourself because we don't have the knowledge. We go from their perspective. You in my house, I could shoot. That's not true. So I'm, I fully advocate having a, a licensed, licensed carry permits for men and women because who's being mostly attacked statistically out here? Us. So some people say, you know, it's best to protect yourself than to put it in someone else's hands. And if I can help it, I won't have that happen to me ever again. Definitely. I, I totally agree. Um, I haven't always been that person, you know, that's always, you know, looked at guns and been like, yo, I got to get one. I need one for protection. Um, I just, I just figured, hey, I don't want to put it, bringing one into my house at one point, it would be, um, that's a big responsibility. First of all, that's the way I look at it. And I said, even, um, even before having children, it was just like, all right, do I really need this in my house? But um, as time goes on and we learn and uh, we view, you know, what's going on in our country today, um, I see, I've seen a lot of things. Um, I'm seeing people for who they are. And like I said, it, like I said, I don't want to be caught off guard. And that's why they, I guess that's, we, we should, I'll put it like this, just as adamant as we are about voting, I think we should be as adamant about um, right to bear arms. Um, like uh, Wale just pointed out, you may not need to use it, but you will know how to use it when that time comes. Case in point, um, in the news recently, um, I'm sure you've seen with the uh, George Floyd protests. Um, in Jersey, out here in South Jersey, there was a spot um, called Fr Franklinville is where they had some 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 bigot out there um, mocking the death of him. That was in, it made national news. Uh, that same town, that very same town, a few years back, um, CNN came through and everything. Um, there was this little 10-year-old. She ended up winning some some gun, I don't even know what you call it, but um, basically where you um, where they spotlight your gun training and how you can shoot. Shooting sports. I was in, I was in that competition before. Is that what it is? So this girl is 10 years old. Her father, you know, they interviewed him. He said he's been teaching her since she was three. So she knows how to, they, they showed her in action. It was like G.I. Jane, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> my whole thing is, you pointed out before, you said, I shouldn't have to say it's not a five-year-old I'm talking about. But at the same time, these people are putting, you know, their children, they're putting them in classes and training them on how to handle a gun. And when I, when I look at that, I, I'm first instinctively, I'm like, why does a 10-year-old need to know how to shoot? But then my other things would be like, what are you doing that you feel your 10-year-old should um, know how to shoot? So it's like, all right. Maybe that's the judgmental thinking, all right, this person's in some some dirt, but at the same time, maybe he knows something we don't know that they're preparing for. So I feel as though it's better to be overprepared than underprepared. I'll close out with that. I mean, for me, it's it's without a doubt. Um, responsible gun ownership is something that I, I'm not gonna say is our responsibility, but it's definitely our right um, as American citizens, as full-fledged American citizens as they want us to pretend we are. Um, and in PA, I actually have my license to carry too. Um, I, it's, a, it's a pretty straightforward process. And I, I did it and I've, I, I kind of was with, I didn't always think to own a gun. I used to be very, very anti-gun. Uh, simply put, socially conditioned to, to think so just because, you see, you hear about black and black crime. You hear about, you know, don't flood your neighborhood with guns. Don't do this, that, and the other. And then you, you wake up and you realize 
hey, America, Americans own more guns per capita than anybody else in the world. They own 46% of civilian guns in the world, the ones registered, et cetera, et cetera. So somebody's getting these guns and they're getting a lot of them. What, what are they getting them for? Um, I feel like for us, it, it's, it's imperative to be prepared. It's imperative. And when I say responsible gun ownership, not only to have the licenses and have the guns, but like while they did learn how to use them, learn how to use them. And then having the responsibility and the wherewithal to know situationally when, when you may need to use them versus when, you know, when that just needs that you don't need to pull that out. You don't need something like that. So I, I think without question, it's all right. And <laughs> better have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Um, in a perfect world, there, there wouldn't be a need for guns, period. But as we've seen, there's some situations where our brothers and sisters did not make it home, which, hey, if they were on an even playing field, would that still be the same case? All we know is that we're woefully underprepared in a lot of these situations because we don't know we're going to be in situations. A lot of times they know they're about to get in situations because they're going to cause a situation because exactly. they're going to cause a situation. So why not be prepared for when the time comes? I'm not sure if y'all remember this, but I'm not sure if this movie theater is still there. I'm glad you brought that up, brother, but you said about uh, – we don't know if we're going to be in a situation. Where, where I grew up in North Philadelphia, people say it's better to be caught with it than without it. Now, when they say that, they're coming from a street perspective, you know? And that's where I grew up in that type of environment. But I looked at that philosophy as a way, as I said, when I went to go get my license, I went on a date one day with this sister. We went to a place called The Bridge. It's in University City, down the street from mm -hmm. uh, University uh a pen hospital uh college i mean yeah so we plan on going to the uh the bridge first and then go around the corner to uh copacabana to have a couple of drinks and go home so we were in the bridge movie theater the, the year was 2010 as i as we went to the store i mean the, the movie theater i bought the tickets well excuse me as i was going in the place it was crowded and i said you know what i'm gonna turn around let's go let's go straight to the bar so as we were leaving I opened the door for a gentleman. Kunla, you remember this. I think I told you about this. Mm -hmm. I opened the door for the gentleman that was coming in after myself when I was leaving. As I was leaving, he was coming in. As soon as I walked in the steps with my date, made the right turn, walking towards Copacabana, about maybe not even 30 seconds after leaving the steps, like walking in the steps. That same guy that I opened the door for to let him in the building, he tried to rob the movie theater, shot the clerk uh, in, the, in the, very, the initial entrance, on the adjacent entrance, shot that clerk as well, and then shot a security guard. I believe the security guard died. You probably remember reading, reading about that or seeing that on television. That was a really big shooting. Now, I felt so comfortable when I left that area and I was able to get out of that environment and people were running crazy. Of course, we never made it to the bar. We went straight back to the car. But I felt more comfortable knowing that my life is in someone's hands, being I'm hiding behind a car, not knowing why this, where this person is located, and they may walk past and just kill me. Of course, I'm not waiting for that, but I have a means of protecting myself rather than saying, don't shoot me when the person initially went in there to shoot, obviously. So situations like that, I think it's better to protect ourselves and to be mature about it because I think firmly for me, it makes me extremely humble. Because I know what this situation can escalate to. I know what deadly force I can use if my life is threatened, not if I feel threatened. We know how that story goes. When my life is in jeopardy, I know what to do. But if it's something I can walk away from, I walk away from it. That's why I've been successful all these years and haven't had one encounter because the responsibility and the training on the individual that harbors that weapon to know how to use it and when not to use it. Yeah, I definitely um my viewpoint has changed in the last few weeks. Um <laughs> because I was like totally just against guns, period. Like I was like, nobody needs guns. Let's just get rid of all of them. 
realize it's not going to happen. And this isn't a perfect world. So in order for us as a community to be safe and also protect our families and so on and so forth, I feel that we do need to, you know, not only become gun owners, but like uh, while and Reese was saying, become properly trained on using those guns and also uh, get into the right mindset. Like while they were saying, because you can't walk around here like some of these kids, they don't value life. They don't even value their own life. So if they don't value their own life, you know, they're trigger happy. You can't be trigger happy out here. Like if we're gonna, if we're gonna move forward stronger, more united as a community, our mindsets have to change. We have to get out of that social conditioning, thinking that um, our lives don't matter, that if somebody does something, somebody steps on your shoes or says the wrong thing, you immediately got to shoot them and stuff like that. And then we also got to think about the other side that we're getting killed by, you know, the modern day slave catchers. Exactly. On a, on a regular, like, it's getting to a point where we can't just keep allowing that to happen. We're going to have to do what we got to do. <laughs> like, seriously. So, you well, know, people don't understand that, though. <laughs> right. But, you know, the, the day that the black gun ownership goes up dramatically is going to be significant. Yep. Because I think it's I think it's getting closer. There's going to be some amendments. Oh yeah, definitely. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a ban on the guns. The very next day, please. the very next day, they're like, "Whoa!" Because think about it. You know, the, the, it's not explained to our people the way we should be explaining it. This is the way I would explain it. It's two o'clock in the morning. We hear windows smashing. We call the police. We don't have the type of you know wealth to have police. Fortunately, outside our gated community, or around the corner, eating donuts and, and stale coffee. You know, we don't have that luxury. So someone breaks in the house two o'clock in the morning. Am I supposed to go down there and say, my man, look, I, I know you, I know times are rough, you know, so this is what we could do. We could find a way to help you remedy this criminal behavior. They're not trying to hear that. <laughs> so, so in a wishful world, we look at things from our honest point of view, not a realistic point of view. So when that person breaks in the house, He's not coming to ask for a cup of sugar or some Kool-Aid. He's coming in there to, he or she are coming into the house to steal. If they encounter someone, the probability of them attacking and killing that person is statistically higher. So if someone were to break in the house, and I think the best self-defense weapon for a home and a family is a shotgun, because it's very intimidating here. I called the police, get out now. If they come up those steps, and you protecting your family, then you can have a conversation. <laughs> it's just like uh, Chappelle said. Seriously, he said he said you he had um, shotgun and it'd be bird shot and be buckshot, buckshot, buckshot. And, and it's not to say <laughs> to advocate. It's not. It's not advocating to engage a person you know in the home to scream out, "I have a gun." That's not intimidating the person that's bent on crime and probably high on drugs to say. To call the see the formalities are, are the are like this in this order. Someone breaking the house. What I was taught, you hear the glass breaking. The first thing to do is try to gather the family as quiet as as possible and gather them in one room. Close the door. Mind you, you're on the phone the entire time calling the police. They're going to say, "Stay on the phone." You should voice your commands. The homeowner should voice the commands. I'm on the phone with the police. I have my family with me. Leave the house now. I have a gun. Let that person hear that and let the phone hear that so the, so the police can hear that you're telling them what's going on and that the person that's in the house has the opportunity to make the definitive decision, I should just leave this house. So if anything happens after that, it's open season, meaning protecting your family. But to, to try to speak morality to a person who doesn't understand that, who may feel that they've been ostracized the person in this home doesn't deserve this. They're not from the community. They just moved in here. So we should just destroy their house or break in. That's not fair to that homeowner. So they should protect themselves no matter what they look like. So that's what Malcolm was saying when he said, 
he advocates self-defense by any means necessary, but the jargon that's used is that, oh, you guys carry guns in a house and why not? Exactly. You know, again, like Kunle said, teaching the children is a responsibility because if something happened to the father, if something happened to the mother, what's the child going to say? Here's my G.I. Joe doll. Can you leave me alone? That's a witness. The child should be able to understand the preservation of life is the number one rule of, uh, of life, self-preservation. I'm glad you outlined what should happen in case of a home invasion. I think that could be important for the people watching and listening, something important tool for them. Cause it's not about trying to be Rambo and necessarily be like, well, you broke in. I'm definitely going to kill you. You, you know, in, in a perfect scenario, nobody breaks in. If somebody breaks in a perfect scenario, you can get removed the threat without having to remove their life. So I'm glad you, you outlined those steps. For people. people think that if someone breaks in their house and the, the, the criminal actually has, or the burglar, better yet, actually has the television in their hand walking out the front door, the citizen homeowner does not have the authorization legally to shoot that person. They can't shoot the person over something like that. Now, if the person is engaging them with some type of weapon, a uh, ice pick or bat or something like that, I hope you know what to do. But other than that, you know, it's, it's, it's different. It's, they, one can get in trouble. So now when it comes to business, a biz, protecting a business, someone destroying a business and firebombing, one has the, right, the lawful act to protect their property and their business. That's a law. So that's something different. That's a, all, again, these are judgment calls. On-spot trained judgment calls. Not acting instinctively. I worked all my life for this house and this couch, that $20,000 couch, and let me shoot them. Have you ever heard when people break in someone's house and the burglars sue the homeowner and win? Often, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's yeah. why. That's why. A burglar was a uh, criminal was breaking in someone's house in Philadelphia about 12 years ago before I moved to California. The homeowner was repairing their house, their ceiling. The burglar fell through the roof, broke his leg, sued the homeowner, and won. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's uh, a book that we should talk about. Well, I want to mention it's called the Black's Law Dictionary. It's what a lot of, well, I think, every, I believe every law student has to study this book in order to prepare for the bar exam as well as other books as well. You know, So a friend of mine, uh, Babatunde, excuse me, from um, UC Berkeley just graduated two years ago. He taught me about that book. You can find it on Amazon. Yeah, I've I mean, heard of that before. I just wanted to touch on something real quick, though. We talked about us, you know, people, the black community getting armed and informed with knowledge. It, it's really key because we we go back to, to when uh, Barack Obama was first elected president. Guess what went up? Gun ownership. It went up on an exponential slope. Guess what happened with Trump got in office? Even more gun ownership. Guess what happened when coronavirus came here? Even more gun ownership. Guess what's happened in the past few weeks? You guessed it. Even more gun ownership. So people are preparing. People are prepping. And it, I, I don't want us to be caught unaware is what I'm saying. And I do have a question, though. Let's say, you know, as a black community, you see when they mobilize and everyone, they there were laws made when a specific group, a strong and powerful group, but a specific group said we are going to rightfully um, engage our act to, to bear open carry arms. I like, what do you think is going to happen when we all decide, we all quote unquote decide to do something like that? Legally? Well, like, what do you think? Well, again, it's a, again, it's about the morality and the principle of the person. Now, our people, we don't seek any violence. We find ourselves historically ducking violence or defending ourselves from violence. Seldom historically do you find us inciting violence. Now that we had that established, it's not our conscience that will invoke the violence. It's the violence on the opposition because of the historical part of it. We, they always think that since we treated them this way for this long and turned deaf ear to it and blind eye to it, they have the propensity to do the same thing to us. It's a fear factor. For us, it's more of protecting ourselves and preservation. For them, is restoring order. For the same reason why 
European people, when you're talking to them, that type, they don't say, well, I'm European. They don't say I'm white. They will say I'm white, which means I'm boss. You should know better. That's the way they say it. So with that type of personality and that type of trait of, um, of uh, what's the word, of privilege that they have just because of the, you know, their skin color, they think the same way in protecting that. That privilege is an investment from their ancestors. And they're going to protect that. So when they see us carrying it and them carrying, well, we got to get them before they get us. That's not our philosophy. So we should be prepared for that. So that that's what I think about that. What about legally, though? Do you think that's anything's going to happen? Legally. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about the legislator, not... Okay, so like you're... Man. Like, he's talking, like, you see how you have um, legal voter suppression going on anytime yeah. there's an election coming up, and it's yeah. always a certain part of the neighborhood that's targeted with um, illegal ID checks and so forth. So mm -hmm. even though... We know this is an illegal tactic. It's used by um, mainly Republicans, but it wouldn't occur in Beverly Hills. It'd be deemed illegal there, but somehow it's, it, it flies under the radar. So he's saying legally, what do you see them doing in, I guess, um, dissolving that movement if we were um, all just bare arms? You mean, are you, are you asking me, are, should our communities protect our voting locations armed as far as people from the community is that the question no i think what reese am i in the neighborhood of what you were speaking on I, you're in the neighborhood of what i'm speaking of i i legitimately i'm asking like what are the state lawmakers going to do when black people state and national federal etc do when black people are armed in mass like not what i mean unless like will they pass bills to restrict even further, gun ownership from people that are African in America. I understand your question now. Um, I was under the impression you were asking, you know, uh, how would people, not legislation mm -hmm. or government, but people, individual yeah. citizens will react. Okay, that's my confusion. I, uh, thanks, I appreciate that uh, correction. It would be blatant for them to pass any type of legislation for sure. something like that, so they won't do that. But what they will do mm -hmm. is, my personal opinion, I firmly believe they will investigate every application with a microscope, telescope, NASA times 10 to make sure that person doesn't have even a parking ticket to make sure they're, they're not able to, you know, um, obtain a license. The same way they do, they, they were doing with uh, the real estate, the redlining. You're going to find every which way not to allow you here. It's the same old game day in and day out. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to point something out. You said that they couldn't do it if, because it'd be too blatant. Well, what I mean by they couldn't do it, they won't say, well, there's a lot of guns being sold in this part of the country or this part of the city. We're going to stop the gun orders from selling or something like that. They will have to dress it up beautifully to hide it. I think, I think that's what they are working on, though. I mean, as far as what's the new term FBI came up with, a BIE? Uh, black identity extremists. They, they make lists such as those. <laughs> something that doesn't exist. I'm telling you, they're gonna go off okay. your whole your whole search history. Any type of statement you've posted on social media, they're gonna put you on a list you're not aware of. And <laughs> time goes to go buy a gun. They're gonna mm -hmm. say you have violent um, tendencies. Exactly. They'll, they'll find a way, brother. You know. That makes it, that makes perfect sense. This is Facebook. Oh man! <laughs> hey, it is what it is. Yeah, they will. They are. They always find a way. Yeah, oh, I just think that we should we should definitely um we should definitely up the knowledge of because when people buy a gun, the first thing they think is just Superman. They don't read the manual. Mm -hmm. They don't read anything. Mm -hmm. I read it cover to cover because I wanted to make sure that I know how to operate. And put as far as we should cover this thing on children as well and the house putting it up because uh, some of you, uh, I know you have two beautiful children and uh, I'm not sure about James but, or, or, or anyone else. But what I'm saying is that the proper storage, storing it away from the gun itself, you know, but in a close area where you can get to where a child won't think to get in reach, you know, so someone breaking the house top shelf, one is under the towels, the other one's in a shoebox. You grab it, 
protect your family and go into action. But when the child gets old enough, this is where it is. You know how to protect it, you know. And it's the way that child is raised to have them understand, to listen to the parent. This is for only life or death situations. Only. And train that child, you know, a daily, a daily training. Because that child is going to have to deal with that even walking out the front door every day. So that knowing the child knows how to um, operate a firearm, that also will humble the child because thinking like, well, I know I can protect myself. I don't know about you. So the child will learn to walk away. My personal opinion. That's, that's what the effect it had on me. Once I learned how to completely operate, clean it, take it apart, how to store it, you know, stuff of that nature. That's why I've had such success so far, walking away from any issue that I see maybe, you know, um, about to happen. So do y'all think um, instead of uh, joining the NRA, we should create the BGA? They have uh, other, they have groups already. Um, some do. of them are uh, are located with uh, affiliated with black the new Black Panther Party. I'm not familiar who their leader is, but uh, or head or state. But um, I oh, think okay. that'd be a good idea for us to start our own and have the good classes like Mike Hall was teaching. I think that's a good thing. So I was researching some of the black, uh, like black gun and rifle associations. I did come across the National African American Gun Association. Um, I Colorado? only, I'm sorry. In Colorado, is it? It might be. I haven't really been able to look through it too much uh, lately, but I did. I was able to find it, and I was going to research it a bit more to see like how legit it is and see what they're talking about, et cetera, like that. But I think that. But I can, look it up, I can look it up, actually. I can If anyone in those classes are teaching self-defense against a specific ethnic group, I think that would be criminal. I think it should be, the class should be taught specifically about the preservation of life and self-defense only, not highlighting what happens in certain areas. Because the person won't be biased about protecting themselves. Like, well, it's either me or you, period. Yeah, facts. So any uh, final thoughts on this uh, topic? Um, I, I pretty much said what I, what, I, what I had to say. I think that, I, I, I think that everyone should invest in obtaining the license to carry a, a firearm concealed because there's always that chance, you know, in the summertime, you know, at night going out with your wife and your children and somebody may run up and say, well, give me all your money. Us, you know, it's material, materialistic things. Take the watch, take the earrings, take the purse. Take my jacket, take my belt, whatever you want, take it. But that person, they always have that thing in their mind, this is a witness or I'm going to shoot this person just to say I shot somebody. And that's my reputation. You know, I shot somebody, I'm going to tell my friends. Growing up in communities like I grew up, that's normal. That's normal. You know, so I think that one should have a means of protecting their family when they're out instead of letting the person, you know, destroy their family and they have to live with it and think, oh, if I only thought to protect myself, that should have been your first thought, the preservation of your family. Yeah, I definitely agree. Okay, Reese, any final thoughts? Just, yeah, like, um, I guess we have to shift our, our mindset. Like I say, uh, what's the saying? A wise man change a fool stay the same. And I think in this case, we need to uh, look at it, look at the situation, look at the, the, the atmosphere and, and try and say, you know what, this time let's not be behind that um, that curve. We, we need to be, you know, towards the top. Where if we're not, hopefully in front. But, um, yeah, we don't want to be caught off guard. Um, there's a reason why there are so many, you know, groups that are so adamant about this um, right to bear arms. And, mm-hmm. I mean, not to paint conspiracies, but we, we're seeing a lot of a lot of um, powerful people stepping down from companies and investing in. I don't want to say um, bio warfare, but something like it. So, um, I mean, we we just need to stay on our p's and q's. I believe, and if. Um, me having children, small small children, um, I, I can understand 
from that perspective of, um, I don't want my child to buy it, think it's a toy. That's, that's a conversation, you know, myself and my wife had, and she's still, well, she ain't from this country, so she, mm -hmm. she's not, you know, she's not cool with the whole concept of, of a weapon. So it being in the house, but um, I think through time, I, I think um, the TV is showing why, why it's gonna be necessary sooner than later. So I think, um, yeah, um, anybody, any couple just sit up, discuss it, come up with a, um, a plan. And like uh, Wale had pointed out, you know, you don't wanna keep ammo and a gun. You don't wanna keep it loaded. You wanna um, have evidence secure places so that the children can't get to it until they're that age where um, they understand and you can train them to move forward. And I, I don't have much to add over what these two brothers just said. I would just say, you know, arm yourself with knowledge first and make that decision. Gun ownership ultimately isn't going to be for everybody, but it should at least be an option for everybody to really look into because, you know, if, if you're not going to protect you, who will? If you're not going to protect your loved ones, who will? Like you said, you'd rather not regret not being able to save them because you weren't you weren't you weren't equipped i want to say one more thing about uh people who are interested in getting their license to carry uh a concealed firearm i want to actually state the proper way when driving and pulled over to protect your life and to help the officer not be extremely nervous and have the potential of taking the person's life when driving and the police officer, woo, light goes on. If it's nighttime, the first thing to do is to put the, put your hazard lights on and exit the highway as they instruct you, but stop at a gas station or somewhere that's very well lit. And this isn't a high-speed chase. You're going a small speed, 10 miles, 5 to 10 miles per hour. The officer understands this. And that may be as far to say, how do you know? Because this is protocol to stop in a well-lit area. Once you stop, once the person stops, take the car keys, put it on top of the hood of the car, put the hands on the steering wheel, keep it there, don't move them. Turn on the interior light of the car so they see everything. Because All this because you're carrying a firearm the officer has no clue yet. So when officer approaches, how you doing officer? Uh, may I ask why you stopped me? Because your backlight was dim. Okay, officer, before we go anywhere any further, I would like to inform you with your hand still here on the steering wheel, key still on top, that relaxes the officer, letting him know you're not going to pull off as soon as he walks up. So when he gets there, you say, uh, well, respectfully uh, saying, officer, I would like to inform you that I have a license to carry a firearm. It's a such and such caliber. It's on my right hip or on my left hip. I prefer you to take it off my hip or your or your partner on the right side to remove it from my hip. I will respectfully like to keep my hands on this steering wheel during the entire process, please. When you say that, the officer relaxes his anxiety because you said the key word, gun, and you have high visibility. So once that officer relaxes, for me, uh, this works 110% time, and believe me, I've been pulled over easily a 1,000 times for BWD, black while driving. So once I express these same formalities to this officer, I find the officer more friendly. They take the gun off my hip, they take it to their car, they run the registration number for my license, which they got from my from my, uh, my license that's on top of the car already. Notice I'm not, I don't have to reach for anything. At that point, the officer no longer cares about your driver's license or your insurance. They care about that gun. 100% of the time, when they bring my gun back and they bring my both of my license back, my driver's license and my license to carry a concealed firearm, they they say, have a nice day. You know, you can load this back up when I leave. Thank you for, allowing, for uh, letting me know you have a firearm. I really appreciate the way you did it. I felt really, really safe. I'm not giving you a ticket for anything. And they let me go every time. That's the way to deal with it especially when the officers have high anxiety once you mention the word firearm. Just stay calm, keep the hands on the steering wheel, and let them take it from you. If they're trying to pull it out and there's some type of struggle from your shirt or whatever, keep your hands there. They, can you help me? No, you get it. Hold it. 
That's the way to preserve your life. This is what was taught to me in that class that I was talking about earlier. And I think it's really important to stress that, not to be long-winded, but to stress it to save our lives. Definitely. Thank you for uh, sharing the information. And on that note, um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank you for Wally, to Wally for joining us. And make sure y'all check out uh, JMall TV. Uh, you know, as always, stay on cold, one accord, peace and love. All right, I'm be mailing y'all some merchandise too. All, both, all three of y'all from JMall TV, right. right up. Appreciate it. All right, so long, y'all. So long, brothers. All right, family. All right, good, brother.